0: Hill rolls to his right, men open downfield, there's his tight end Friel, Pulls his way to the
1: 26.
2: I think they handled it well and, and did a, a really nice job securing the ball and catching the ball when it came their way. And I think that was clearly their most productive night.
0: Hedrick, downfield, Povey with the interception. Pressure comes, Hill, Hoffman. On a big third down and five.
1: More pressure comes, Hill, Seven yards.
3: In his decision making,
2: if you watched him the first half, especially the ball is just going right on the money to different players. He's poised, he's composed, and it looks like the game was really slow for him. Taysom Into the end zone.
0: Touchdown! Hedrick to throw it. First down. Ball's out. Cougars say they have it. Hill. Man wide open. Matthews. Hill looks for Hoffman. Touchdown! He's done it again. And that... It's a record-setting grab.
4: It feels great. It feels amazing. I'm almost speechless about it just because it was set by such a great player before me, and it's not an easy record, and uh, I take a lot of pride in it.
2: Next on BYU Sports Nation, BYU football bowl bound after a statement win over Boise State Athletic Director Tom Holmo joins us live to talk holiday-style football for the Cougars. Five straight wins have propelled BYU back into the top
4: 25 discussion. Senior tight end Kanye Akua joins the program to discuss BYU's roaring offense.
2: Plus, it's another Maddich Monday ESPN College football expert Trevor Maddich on the rise of BYU And how the upset of the weekend belongs to BYU women's soccer. Let's go. And now, live on Sirius XM
0: 143 BYU Radio, it's BYU Sports Nation with your hosts,
2: Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. Happy Monday, sports friends. Rise and shout. Victory! I'm Spencer Linton. Teamed up with the one and only Jerem Jordan, wherever and however you may be listening, thanks for making us part of your day. Some breaking headlines for BYU Sports Nation. The Cougars kickoff time at Wisconsin just announced this morning. BYU and Wisconsin slated for 3.30 p.m. Eastern, 1.30 p.m. Mountain Time, Saturday, November 9th. That game will be on ESPN or ABC as tweeted by Big Ten Football. More national exposure for BYU after five straight wins. And the latest coming in front of a Friday night audience on ESPN. Last week we talked about Nostris Nocturnus. That's Latin for own the night.
4: And BYU did that with the 17-point win. I was a week late on my 17-plus uh, prognostication. But it happened against <laughs> Boise State. Funny that, funny that BYU uh, wins by one against Houston. On the road, a tougher game, kind of a neutral environment, if you will. And then comes home and beats Boise State by 17. Fancy that. We've had a couple of results that have just been interesting for BYU. And how how hard does that Virginia loss hurt now, BYU? BYU becomes a 6-2 and team, maybe on the back of what happened against Virginia, but BYU rolling right now, and we've got a great show to kind of highlight what's going on in Cougar Nation today. Uh,
2: Dennis Dodds of CBS Sports... BYU Sports Nation, rather. Yeah, said that... Uh, the loss to Virginia is perhaps the most nonsensical loss of any college football game this year. Because Virginia has done nothing since that win over BYU. They've lost. They got rolled by Ball State. They lost to Duke. I mean, granted, Duke, Duke did... Duke's 6-2, right? Duke Duke is okay, but... I mean, Virginia had a 20-point lead in that game.
4: Yeah, that, that makes no sense, and it's going to hurt for a long time. Uh, but BYU has a special opportunity in the Wisconsin game to really make a splash. They'll crack the top 25
2: everywhere if they win that. They may crack the top 20. And here's my argument with that Virginia loss. Is BYU the team they are without it?
4: Yeah, I don't know. The, re- the real thing that gets me is this, and it, as BYU progresses, it's, it's easier to look back and say, well, what if, what if, if Taysom Hill does not get hurt against Utah State, BYU comes roaring into the season with a more developed Taysom Hill? It took a couple games to get going, but boy is he going. Sixth in the nation in total offense. The guy can ball. BYU distributed the ball to nine different receivers. The defense continues to play well. And this bye week, I think, comes at a good time. You need some guys to get healthy, especially Daniel Sorensen.
2: Yep. Daniel Sorensen uh, went out of the game with a concussion, took a brutal hit, took a knee right to the dome, uh, tackling one of Boise State's big tight ends. But uh, great to see him get back up. And I asked him for, uh, after the game on Friday night how he was doing. He just said, no postgame interviews tonight, Spencer, because I can't really be responsible for what may come out of my <laughs> mouth. <laughs> But uh, good to have him joking and back up. One more breaking headline. Brandon Davies, former BYU basketball standout, has signed a contract with the Philadelphia 76ers after being waived by the L.A. Clippers late last week. Good to see Brandon back on an NBA roster. He was born in Philadelphia. It's where he spent most of his days, on the playground.
4: And then he can't. no I'm just kidding. He He was born there and then was adopted— uh, by his mother and uh, came to Provo. So cool that he gets to uh, go back to Philadelphia. Hopefully this is a uh, uh, longer than his stay with the Clippers.
2: Uh very quickly, Jeremy, I know you said 17 plus over Boise state or really over Houston. I said over Houston. But like I keyed. But you said 17 plus. So because it was 17, like do you get like a half point for that? I don't want I
4: don't need any credit for this.
2: I <laughs> I didn't I it was off by a week,
4: but it was funny. I know you were on the sideline you you sidelined the game. Yeah. BTV broad broadcast. Uh, Game day replay, you do the pre- and post-game show. So someone, people are talking to you about 17. People are
2: shouting at me, hey, BYU's up by 17. They might win by 17. (laughs) Awesome. That's great. What a show line today. Athletic Director Tom Homo, ESPN's Trevor Maddich. Dominating Boise State will do good things for a program. And with that said, we welcome on our first guest today, who showed up in a big way, one of his best games, wearing the blue and white of BYU, and that is Kane Akua, Frail tight end. Kane, welcome to the show. How are you feeling after a big win on Friday night? I'm feeling great. Thanks for having me on the show. No problem. You're going bowling now, bowl eligible. Uh, the team accepts a, an invitation to play in the Fight Hunger Bowl. What's the atmosphere like, uh, given that BYU is now guaranteed to play in the postseason? Uh, I think amongst the
0: players, it's something definitely exciting, something we look forward to. Uh, I know the wives look forward to it more than <laughs> even the players, but uh, it's a little bit of you know pressure off your back, knowing that you're going to be going to a bowl and you can just finish out the year, play hard.
2: Why do the uh, wives look forward to that game so much, Connor? You've you've got me intrigued.
0: <laughs> well, my wife, you know, she's the president of the wives' club. Okay. Which is only at BYU is there a wives' club, right? <laughs> yep. Only at BYU. And um, she expressed to me that a lot of times the wives don't get to spend time with their husbands during the season. There's like an hour here, an hour there, a lot of meetings in class. So they look forward to time where they're able to spend with us. And the bowl game provides that. We're down there a couple of days early. Um, we can relax, chill. Obviously, we're there to play and practice. But there's time we can spend with our wives away from home. It's like a little vacation.
4: And they get a don't they get to travel with you on this one? Yeah, they travel down. So with it's us a little different the, that way.
0: On the chartered plane, stay with us in the uh, hotels. You know, they're just not there during practice. But other than that, during the day, we can walk around the town, check it out, spend some time together, have a little date night. It's really fun.
4: Now, when when you started the season one and two, at any point, did you think there was a possibility that BYU wouldn't go bowling, or was it uh, always we're, we're gonna we're gonna get six wins?
0: No problem. No, that was that was not a. Thought in my mind, Uh, knowing the team that we have, we just need to work out a few kinks, and six games is not a big deal. We're looking to win out the whole season.
2: Tight end, Connie kuo of BYU, joining BYU Sports Nation with Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. Connie, Jerem and I were just talking about that opening loss at Virginia and how really almost unbelievable it seems now that uh, that the Cougars didn't come away with a win there. But do you feel like your team would be where they are mentally and as far as maturity goes had they not lost that game in Charlottesville?
0: Uh, I don't think we'd be at the level we're at right now without that loss. It was kind of a humbling experience for us. You know, we have good players, a uh, great scheme, but we needed to kind of be humbled. And I think that's really what happened there in Virginia. Obviously, we could have come away with a win there, but it's something that we needed. And since then, um, seems like our offense has started to get rolling a little bit more, and there's still a lot more to come.
2: Speaking of your offense rolling, the tight ends targeted a lot more on Friday night. You had three catches for 53 yards. Devin Mahina, four catches for 40 yards. How did it feel to get back involved in the offense uh, when the tight end has kind of been non-existent up to this point in the season?
0: Personally, for me, it felt great to get back into the offense to get some balls and uh, help the offense to progress and move down the field. Um, something I've been waiting for for the whole season, just patiently waiting, trying to fulfill my responsibilities in other places like blocking. But hopefully it's a trend that will continue to keep on going, and I think it's definitely going to help our team if we can attack uh, the middle of the field more. It will open up more opportunities for other people in other places.
4: Connie Akuafrio joining BYU Sports Nation. Connie, how how has your role changed in this new offense, being sometimes lined up on the line, but it seems like you're flexed out more? Um, For me personally, it was kind
0: of hard at first to learn my new roles, being flexed out, uh, tight on the line, or even a lot of times in the backfield, uh, blocking throughout the earlier parts of the season. It seemed like that was my main role, to be a blocker, to allow us more time to get the ball down the field, something that we have been struggling on but working on definitely. So um, it took me a while to accept my role as a a primary blocker, but now I think that I've accepted it. Um, It's been helping the team, helping us move the ball, and then my role I feel is expanding, and hopefully it will continue to expand.
2: How has your relationship with Taysom Hill uh, grown over the course of this season in terms of being on the same page and, and offensive cohesiveness?
0: Um, definitely, I feel like my relationship with Taysom has grown. Uh, at first, it was kind of like a hit-and-miss kind of deal. I'll be running you know, my route. Obviously, there's many different ways to run a route, and uh, me and him wouldn't quite be on the same page. But now I feel like over time we've developed somewhat of a cohesiveness. Um, Definitely not to the extent of some of the other receivers on the team, but it's definitely growing. And it will continue to grow. And I'll talk to him at times, you know, tell him what I'm thinking, He'll tell me what he's thinking. And I think that's just something that comes with time. Uh, Not necessarily time of him being a quarterback, but time of us working together. We haven't had much reps in the past to – Form that bond and form that relationship on the field.
2: BYU tight end, Connie Akul-Fril, joining BYU Sports Nation. Connie, I heard somebody refer to Taysom's right arm as the potato gun <laughs> after Friday night. <laughs> how do you feel about that nickname?
0: Oh, uh, That's pretty accurate. I mean, he is a rocket. <laughs> he has a cannon in there and then it's kind of crazy how hard and far you can throw the ball, but um, with time, the accuracy and the touch is coming, and that's Really a great factor in why our offense is doing so well these days. Um, Taysom's a great quarterback, a great guy, definitely strong arm. But as we gel and mesh together, as we can kind of put the touch on top of everything, that's when we're going to be able to see what this offense is designed for, which we've got a little piece of so far.
4: And if if that's just a taste, I can't wait for what's next for the uh the main course. What's grown quicker, your hair or your relationship with taste mail?
0: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Maybe
4: I don't know. Maybe I need a haircut. My mom always tells me about that kind of stuff. <laughs> that's great. Looking at the beginning of the season, it look it, it felt like the emphasis obviously you want to execute, but was on the pace of play. How many plays can we get off? Have you slowed down a little bit, and 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 what differences have there been in the offense? Uh, in the beginning of the season, or even
0: through spring ball, everything was go fast and go hard. Um, I think Coach and I and the offensive staff wanted to emphasize within us that principle, because they know that if we can go fast and go hard throughout the whole game, a lot of teams aren't going to be able to keep up, but... With that, I think we lacked a little bit of execution and discipline in our assignments. So there hasn't been a conscious expression to us that we need to slow it down a bit, but it seems as though we have slowed down just a tad, but just enough where execution and tempo met at a good level, and we can see the success that's coming from that. As we look from the beginning of the season to now, uh, we're obviously moving the ball more, more higher completion percentage, and we're winning games now. And I, I don't think it was a conscious effort, but it's definitely something that's happening right now.
2: Connie, you told me during the BYU postgame that uh, you wouldn't shy away from another chance at your brother and the University of Utah, uh, given a bowl game scenario. How do you, have you changed your mind any in the, in the past 48 hours, or do you still feel uh, as motivated to go face the Utes again?
0: Oh, it doesn't. It doesn't matter who we're going to face there at the Kraft Hunger Bowl, but I hope it's going to be Utah. We need another crack at them, and uh, we didn't really show or reflect our potential in the game against them. So if it's them, I'll be excited and happy for the game, ready to play. But whoever it's going to be, we'll be ready.
4: And that uh, will be a great matchup, whether it's Utah or USC or Oregon State or whoever it is in that game. Uh, it will be a fun game. Your bro- so your brother's an offensive lineman for the U. Yeah.
0: What's yeah, that communication?
4: What's that communication like on a regular basis?
0: Um, you know, when it's time for Utah to play us, uh, there's a lot of smack talking going around. But <laughs> what about other now? Than I, other than that, I support him and what he's doing for his team, and uh, there's a great love that I have for my brother.
4: Do text him like, "Hey, nice job against USC." You uh, personally?
0: Not much. <laughs> when I see him, I, I congratulate him on different things, but yeah, uh, when we play them, there's no congratulations on winning. Definitely not.
4: So, mom- no, no, bro, hug. Literally after or anything like that. Oh, just a hug, you know. Yeah, yeah. keep the love there. But
2: <laughs> that must be tough for your parents. How's that experience for them?
0: Ah, uh, from them, they prefer to sit on the BYU side. I'll okay. I think every year, well, the past two years, they sit on the BYU side, you know, they will wear, like, these T-shirts that my wife's aunt made for them. It's, like, BYU on one half, and then the other half is, like, Utah, and then they cut it down the middle. Preferably, I'd prefer that they just wear the Y, but, you know, they have to (laughs) show the love for both sides.
2: Naturally. Hey, the fact that they sit on the BYU side has got to give you some traction with your brother in that trash talk game, right? It's probably because
4: you gave them the tickets, right? That's why they're sitting (laughs) on the BYU side? Yeah, but I mean, they obviously have tickets on the other side, too, so... There you go. What's the schedule like this week uh, during the bye week? How much will you guys practice?
0: I'm not actually sure. I know today we're just doing a little regeneration, so we work on loosening our bodies and getting our hearts pumping, but not necessarily practicing. And then we'll do a little film review with a short weight lift. So it's kind of like getting your bodies ready to go. I think we'll practice later on in the week. I don't know how extensive it'll be, but um, definitely this week I feel is going to be about getting our bodies ready to go. You know, it's been a long eight weeks of playing and we need to regenerate our muscles and our minds and get refocused in the classroom if need be.
2: Connie, you have Wisconsin now. Obviously, you'll enjoy some time to to get healthy as a team and to rest up during the bye week, but what do you know about Wisconsin at this point as you get ready for Madison, Wisconsin, and really a hostile Big Ten environment?
0: Obviously, I don't know much about Wisconsin and their play. I see them on TV, ESPN a little bit. They seem like a great team and opponent to play against. The thing I know most about them is they have this little jump-around thing they do like third, fourth quarter, and the whole stadium gets crazy. Uh, I saw it on YouTube. I think they do it every game. They play jump around and they just start getting up and crazy and the fans get into it. So that'd be something really nice to look forward to. I think during this week, um, I and the team will be able to look more into their team and their strategies, their game plans, and obviously our coaches will put up a great game plan.
2: Connie, uh, we, wish you, yeah, we wish you the best of luck against Wisconsin and enjoy the week of practice and uh, a little bit of rest, and we thank you for joining BYU Sports Nation. Hopefully you guys will be doing a little jumping around in the locker Play room Play that up there. in the
4: locker room this <laughs> week. I think I might.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Connie Koufrel on BYU Sports Nation. Have a great day, man. All right. Thanks for having me. Really quick, before we go to break, uh, a couple of notes. Taysom Hill named the FBS Independent Offensive Player of the Week the second week in a row. Wani Unga, the Defensive Player of the Week for the White first factor. time. And he was the Y factor. dilemma Harrington, three in a row, three weeks in a row. Coming again. up on BYU Sports Nation, what was the most impressive part of Friday's win over Boise State? It's another Maddich Monday with Trevor Maddich, and he's very impressed with the BYU. Oh, he'll tell you why next. You're listening to BYU Sports Nation.
0: Stay with us. We'll have more BYU Sports Nation right after this.
3: Rise and shout, Cougar fans. This is Taysom Hill, and you're listening to BYU Sports Nation.
2: Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan here. Taysom Hill just named one of eight players on the Manning Award Watchlist Stars of the Week.
4: Yeah, congratulations to Taysom, some uh, select company there, including John O'Corn of Houston.
2: They won. They're 6-1, and one, by the way. Houston Cougars getting it done for BYU as well, making their schedule look that much stronger. You can follow us at Spencer Linton and at Jerem Jordan. Join the show's growing Twitter following at BYU Sports Nation. Reminder, you can listen to us on BYUradio.org, the BYU Radio iOS app, Sirius XM Channel 143, and Dish Network 980 each day, 12 p.m., Noon Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Mountain Time. Very quickly to the poll question today. What would have been your headline after Friday's 37 20 BYU victory over Boise State? Here are the options on BYUTVSports.com. Feel free to uh,
4: weigh in on Twitter at BYU Sports Nation. We're going bowling. Defense takes it away. Taysom and BYU excel in the national spotlight. A 17 point victory. Wonder which one you're going to
2: vote for. Mm. Or Cody Hoffman. Record breaker. Vote on at BYU. Or vote on that at BYUtvSports.com. Also send your tweets to at BYU Sports Nation. Coming up tonight on True Blue with Dave McCann, Bronco Mendenhall in studio. Blaine Fowler recaps that Boise State win and previews the men's basketball season. Watch and listen to True Blue on BYU TV and BYU Radio tonight, eight thirty p.m. Eastern, or sorry, eight thirty p.m. Yeah, that's right, and eleven thirty p.m. Eastern time. There is There's a two, repeat. There is two opportunities to watch that tonight. Very quickly, we bring in our next guest, ESPN college football expert Trevor Mattis. He spent uh, his weekend in Columbus, Ohio at the ESPN Game Day Radio. Trevor, how was Columbus, and where are you headed next?
1: Well, Columbus was fantastic. It was Ohio State, Penn State, and next we're headed down to Tallahassee for Florida State against uh, Miami. So we've been in some pretty great spots. We've We've got to get out to Provo
2: at some point. I'm hoping that uh, BYU can, it's generate, not happen this year. can generate enough <laughs> excitement. But, uh, yeah, I'm guessing that Idaho State, BYU, and Provo won't, won't get you here this year. Uh, <laughs> did, you, did you enjoy the game on Friday night? i am asking a simple question. I'm guessing you watched at your hotel room in Columbus?
1: You know what? It wasn't just me that watched. Everybody watches. It's like the NFL. Everybody in the league watches Monday Night Football. Every player, every coach, they're all watching it. It's that way in college football because every team is in the team hotel. And they finish their, their meetings and, and meals and everything. They're all in their rooms. And guess what? They're all watching that Friday night game. So this was a showcase not just for all the fans around the country on Friday night, but for BYU's peers as players and as coaches. And, boy, did they light it up on the big stage.
4: And we talked about, uh, we looked up the Latin phrase for own the night, which is noctus, noctus. No, Nostris Nocturnus, uh, and BYU did Wait, in say fact. Again? Nostris Nocturnus. <laughs> See, that
1: sounds to me like that sounds to me like you 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 sneeze through your nose. <laughs>
4: <and> I... <laughs> That's what Boise State did against BYU on Friday night. So nice BYU done. put up. They've turned into a traditional BYU passing team. They figured out the passing game, which at the beginning of the year we talked a lot with you about BYU struggles on that. But BYU's turned to page, Trevor.
1: They really have, and the thing I was thinking as I watched that game on Friday was that if they can continue to hit the vertical pass, then this this offense will be virtually unstoppable by all but the best defenses because from a running standpoint, they come at you from every angle and they've got a lot of talent. I mean, one of the best running backs in the country is playing quarterback for BYU, Taysom Hill. You know, then Jamal's doing fantastic. I mean, they're, they're, they're really a solid running team. The problem has been completing 35% of their passes, in some games early in the season. But all of a sudden, against Boise State, you've got passes going down the field covering 40 to 50 yards in the air and dropping into a bucket to a receiver streaking down the sideline or down the middle and doing it over and over and over again against tight coverage at times. And if they can keep that going, what it has the effect of doing is forcing safeties away from the line of scrimmage. That'll open up the running game even more. And the running game's going well as it is. And so that that combination could make BYU's offense just absolutely you know, go from exciting to fantastic. Now, it's up to the players to keep that consistency going. So Taysom has been more accurate. The receivers have done a better job going up after the ball and being angry about it. When I say angry, I mean that ball, this is the attitude. That ball is mine. You, defender, will not take that ball from me. It is mine, and take it personally. And that's the way more receivers have been doing it in the game against Boise State. Cody Hoffman's always done it that way. But as long as they can continue to impr- to con- on that path of that vertical passing game being effective and accurate, not just when it's wide open, man, this offense, it, it, the sky's the limit.
2: Trevor Maddich of ESPN joining us on BYU Sports Nation. Trevor, you talk a lot about the passing game. How about the tight ends getting involved, and how much credit does Robert and I deserve uh, in looking to get them more involved?
1: Well, how about that? There was a, there was a, a Friel sighting. He only had one catch, I think, coming into, yeah. the, into the season. I'll and it was say, last yeah, week. A bunch of them. Yeah. A couple of tight ends. And I think part of that is that tight end has always been a big um, a big position for BYU in the Lavelle Edwards days. And Robert and I know that. He wants the tight ends to be more involved than they have been. The thing is, if you're, if you're a little limited in terms of time to throw and other things, you can't always call the plays you want to call. And so, you know, the fact that he's gotten more involved also makes this offense a lot more dangerous because now all of a sudden defenses, which did not have to worry so much about tight ends before this game, now all of a sudden they have to worry a lot about tight ends. And that just is another component that that stresses them in practice, stretches them in practice, and it gives BYU more targets. Because I mean one of the reasons Cody Hoffman is setting all these records, receiving records, I mean career receiving records at BYU, is that he's been the only guy that they could really trust for a long time, and you know, you've had quarterbacks there that uh, you know haven't been the greatest of passers necessarily over the last couple of years, and yet Cody keeps catching pass after, pass after pass after pass after pass. Defenses know he's the receiver you have to stop. He still is setting career records. Well, all of a sudden now, getting the other guys involved more will not only take pressure off of Cody, it'll it'll spread that ball around and once again put more points on the board. So Robert and I is doing a really good job of identifying which of his guys can do which things. And little by little, as Robert gets confidence in what they can do, he's calling plays to get them involved. And as they prove to Robert that they are worthy of that trust, then all of a sudden the offense expands more and more. Always remember this about this go fast, go hard offense. This is the first year. This has never been done before exactly the way it's being done right now in Provo by Robert and I and this staff. And so they are learning about their players. And as they learn about the players, they'll be able to implement more and more of their vision.
4: ESPN college football analyst and national champion BYU Cougar Trevor Maddich joins BYU Sports Nation. A buy is fixed before the season starts, but it sure seems like this buy comes at a good time for BYU as they prepare for a huge game, Trevor, in Wisconsin next week.
1: Oh boy, you got all those cheese-fed farmer's sons up there in Wisconsin. <laughs> I've watched a lot of Wisconsin football over the years, and they're really smart about how they recruit. I mean, they understand that they're not, they're not Florida State. You know they're not the the flashy, fast team, although they've got some guys from Florida that are really fast. but what they do is they they start by putting a fence around the state of Wisconsin and they want to own that state of recruiting so what what are they good at well they're good at three hundred and thirty pound guys to play on on the offensive line with huge thick ankles and big massive necks that just are road graders are bulldozers <laughs> and they keep putting those guys into the nfl every year it seems like there's a first round draft choice off that offensive line from uh, from wisconsin and so this is what they do and that's one of the reasons it's good for byu to have a bye this week to kind of heal up rest up because wisconsin will not try to trick you they will force you to be a man And the thing about BYU's defense is it is populated by serious real men. But it helps to be healthy and and rested. And so that that's important, especially when you've got, you know, Daniel Sorensen and Mike Haig uh who've got concussions, it'll give them a little bit extra time to see if they can get back healthy to play. But but this is what strikes me though, as I think about this Wisconsin game, guys. I think of the Oklahoma game in the opener a couple of years ago uh, in Dallas, Texas, right? At, at Jerry's World at Dallas Cowboys, at Dallas Cowboys Stadium down there. The, I was there for that game, and uh, I was on the sideline. And the day before the game, Robert and I, who was uh, you know coaching there at the time, and then he took a leave of absence and then just came back. Robert and I, day before the game now, uh, BYU's players all over the place, wanted me to come over and meet his offensive lineman. Okay. So he, he started me over towards a group of guys. And, and as I walked up to those guys, I thought, well, this is nice, but where are the offensive linemen? <laughs> oh, gee. Well, that was the offensive line, <laughs> right? But here's what happened in that game. Those nice, clean-cut, married Mormons got into an ugly street fight with the big, bad Oklahoma Sooners. They hit <laughs> them in the mouth, and they won that ugly street fight. Then they went home and hugged their kids. You know, because they all have kids in school, right? (laughs) And taught primary (laughs) (laughs) the next day. And that's what struck me. Well, that's the kind of game this will be against Wisconsin. For BYU to win this game, it will have to be an ugly street fight, and an extra week to rest will be good.
2: Maddich Monday never disappoints. We appreciate the time, Trevor, and have a great time between Florida State and Miami. You can listen to Trevor Maddich on ESPN College Game Day Radio. We always appreciate the time. Thanks, guys. Up next how about athletic director tom holmo in studio to take a look at the future of byu football and their bowl situation this is byu sports nation
4: we'll be back with more byu sports nation right after this
3: this is tyler haas and you are
2: in byu sports nation with
3: spencer linton and jerem jordan Go Cougs!
2: Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. Saturday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Watch the BYU men's basketball host Alaska Anchorage in the team's final exhibition game before the start of the regular season. Again, Saturday night, 9 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Mountain. Live on BYU TV and BYUTVSports.com. We welcome in BYU Athletic Director Tom Homo into the studio and. Tom, great to have you here. First of all, congratulations on uh, the bowl invitation, and tickets are already on sale. How do BYU fans get involved?
3: Check byu Uh We'll sell them through the Marriott Center ticket office, and it's great to be able to get them. The, Fight Hunger Bowl and Gary Cavalli, their executive director, have done a good job of getting us those tickets so our, t- our people now can go online, unlike they have done in the past, and they can actually see the tickets that they're going to have and buy them right now. In the past, we had to reserve everything and pull it back for the Cougar Club, and that was something that was hard because people would, could go on and say, I want to go, and not really know if they're even going to get tickets or yeah. where they'd be. Mm-hmm. You can go on now, buy your tickets, have them, start setting up, we're going to go to dinner that night.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you have some recommendations. I got for a bunch it. of
3: recommendations.
4: <laughs> Given the Bay Area. Whenever we have someone uh, on the show, Tom, I always tweet out, and I say, this guy is on BYU Sports Nation, and I try and tweet a picture. Is this picture acceptable that I just tweeted
3: of you as a 49er, mustache and all? Of course, that is me a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> My Safety. shoulders and neck look a little bit bigger than now, but so, you, were, you were
4: hitting the gym a little bit harder just to back then. That. Uh, December 27th, uh, the Fight Hunger Bowl. We thought it was Kraft until last week, and then all of a sudden, hey, they're not a sponsor, whatever. So fu- the Fight Hunger Bowl, December 27th, uh, we'll have a live countdown to kickoff. Uh, BYU TV and BYU Radio will have that coverage. Some Cougar fans have asked over the weekend, hey, we're 6-2, and two. Uh, we got six wins. We accepted the bowl. Hey, is the BCS still a possibility? Is there any other bowl that we might be able to get into
3: if we win out? Uh, we are contracted to go to the Fight Hunger Bowl in San Francisco. Uh, I think with two losses, and especially to the opponents who we lost to and, and how they're doing, I think it's a real, real long shot. And... Uh, I think we could run the table. We could have a successful year, but based on the past years and what the BCS takes, I think it would be very difficult to get an independent team um with two losses in especially now as you look at the uh SEC, the Pac-12 and some of the what you'd call BCS conferences, I guess you can still call them that, that they're going to be have a a better chance of getting in, even with two losses. So we could be in the rankings, but those eventually, I think that it's in our best interest to start selling tickets now, get our focus um, on what we can do with all our fans, all our people. It'll be a great opportunity to get a huge crowd, play a great uh, game against a a very worthy Pac-12 opponent and uh, continue to keep this thing rolling.
2: Given the depth of the Pac-12, as we're talking to BYU Athletic Director Tom Homo on BYU Sports Nation, this is really shaping up for, I can only call it a tasty game, whether it's USC or Arizona State or Oregon State, Washington, or Utah. Arizona, or Utah, like any number of teams in the Pac-12 is going to create for a very intriguing matchup.
3: I think whoever the opponent is going to be, it'll probably be the best opponent that we've had in years. And that's one of the reasons why we focus on that, because I like the matchup. I like the game. Um, I like the time. It's good for our fans. It's good for our team. And all of those things together make for a great situation. So I look at it as just a win-win, positive thing. And the more people that we can get to this game, the more it helps us in the future about uh, bowl games looking at us and being attractive for their games.
4: Will you remind us of the criteria necessary for BYU to qualify for a BCS game as an independent? You're going to ask me
3: for that, huh? <laughs> it, you know, it, it really comes down to the BCS vote. And you know, no matter what the criteria might be, you've got to end up somehow with all those computers and all the polls and all that. And you've you got to end up in uh, of the games they have – depending on who, what other conferences are going to get two teams in, all those factors make it very difficult at this point for two losses to get in.
4: So there's there's no scenario where BYU automatically qualifies, no. right? They, they would have to be selected that's as correct. an at-large. That's correct. Okay. With two losses, that's not going to happen. You're right. So this is the best situation for BYU, it sounds like. The the Fight Hunger Bowl will be a quality opponent. You've locked it in. Let's go. That's what, uh, that's it, what it, it, I'm talking that's what it about. what it sounds
3: But, like. you know, I think the good thing about it, too, is in the past years, we've kind of known where we were going to go, and, but it wasn't quite sure who the opponent was going to be. And we'd be kind of on hold for the rest of our conference to determine where we would slot and whether or not a team from the Mountain West Conference was going to get into a BCS game. <clears throat> Excuse me. And now this is a situation where our team doesn't have to worry about that. They can focus on Wisconsin. They can focus on this bye week and concentrate on what they have to do this week to get ready for a game in two weeks. I like that. And then after that Wisconsin game, we get right back to the next team and the next game, and we can literally take these games one at a time, knowing that we are locked into a bowl game against a good team, and I think it bodes well for the future of our program.
2: Gary Cavalli, the executive director of the Fight Hunger Bowl, had some great dialogue. We spoke with him last week on the radio show and then uh, talked to him on the sideline, he was at the game, obviously to extend the invitation. He talked about the six-year cycle and how moving forward, it's going to be tougher for teams like BYU given the independent status to, to get into bowl games, and and that ties into some efforts that you've made recently in trying to get BYU involved, locked into those those bowl games for the next six years. Can you talk about the efforts you are making there?
3: Yes, it is. It's really hard nowadays because we felt when we went independent a number of years ago that this bowl. Series um, this this time around, it was going to open up a little bit more, and that there would be more open games. But it's actually gone harder; it's gone more stringent in the alliances between the conferences and the bowls. So now there's more games that are locked up mm. for the SEC number seven versus the Big Twelve number six, however it might be, yeah. and that and there are very far fewer. Um, Open games, but because of our partnership with ESPN, we have an opportunity to slide into some of their games. Now, there's there's a thing called ESPN Regional, where ESPN owns the football game. They own that bowl game. The Vegas Bowl is one such that we've been associated with. Then there's a whole group of other bowls where ESPN broadcasts the game. So they do have really good connections of which we're hooking up with. So in the next six years – I feel that we have a pretty darn solid bowl connection for the next six years. Fantastic. Um, ESPN and I have worked out uh, games for those six years. Two of the games will be in Poinsettia Bowl. Uh, we love that game last year. It's a great location, it's a great tradition to be down in San Diego for BYU football. Then there's two other games that we'll be locked into. And then the other two that are the last five and six years, and not in that particular order, will be something interesting for the fans. It's something that we're working (laughs) on. That's called a tease. (laughs) It's something that we're working on with ESPN right now for the future that um, is different than what we've done in the past.
4: So how, and and that's great insight, Um, uh, how close are you to, I guess, announcing your... uh, so we know Poinsettia, too, the other two
3: years that you mentioned. Um, I think there's a few things that have to occur in the next couple of weeks. But um, for all intents and purposes, we feel that those games are uh, secured between uh, BYU and those in ga- the Bulls. Because,
4: because of when the college football playoff starts, and that, that's what we're talking about with this six-year cycle is 2014 through 19, and all the Bulls want to lock in, uh, do, you, do you anticipate that all six of these games, or at least the four, would be announced before the start of next season?
3: Yes, for sure. Wow, okay. They would be. And, and the thing about the college football playoffs is all these bowls, we get into the college football playoff, they are automatically will be released from those bowls. So that's, that's why it's easier to do that in the future.
2: Tom Homo, BYU Athletic Director on BYU Sports Nation right now. We're talking holiday football for the Cougars. They're playing at AT&T Park on December 27th in San Francisco, a place... The athletic director here knows very well. Uh, Tom, I heard from Dennis Dodd's prominent CBS sports writer. Um, the guy followed the game closely on Friday night, and he was talking about the brand of BYU football, saying that they need to be reassessed after the nonsensical loss against Virginia now that they've won five straight, including solid wins over Texas, Utah State, Georgia Tech, and Boise State. How do you feel about the brand of BYU football moving forward?
3: Well, I think the brand is alive. Uh, we did stumble early, and that hurt us on the national scene for this year. But the amazing thing is that this team has uh, kind of redefined itself yeah. after the early start. And I think that the, na- the nation is recognizing that. I think we're 28 now in the BCS standings, and and that's a good spot to be because in the next couple weeks um, those teams will beat up on each other, and there'll be some sliding and movement in that in the polls. But For us right now, it's just about us. It's about what we can do because we really control our own destiny right now as far as where we go with that brand. Uh, We don't control our own destiny in the BCS for sure. That's something that we have to continually change. When it comes down to the college football playoff, sometimes in some years, depending on how things go and what year and what bowls are where – it gets a little bit confusing, and those entry paths might be small. But if we can get to where Bronco and his coaches want to go with this team, then it will be in our control.
4: And when you look at uh, the November schedule that you've teed up for BYU, the past couple of years you mentioned that it would be uh, a little tougher in November um, to schedule quality opponents. But here we are in year three, and BYU has a chance to prove itself – Uh, With tough games, of course, uh, Idaho State at home and the VAT on the road. But at Wisconsin and at Notre Dame, uh, what do you expect from BYU as you've lined up these prove-yourself games in November?
3: Well, I think it's like show me the money. I've always (laughs) said all along to our BYU fans that we we don't want to slide in. We want to earn it. And I think that Bronco and his team are earning respect right now this year. And we have games coming up that can further that respect, and I think that this year with the BCS, no matter what happens or which direction we go, that we have a lot of room to gain in the in these next couple weeks. So, depending on how we play and which games we win, you know, we we could we could move up a lot and and get a lot of attention from the country, pushing forward to next year. Now, I'm not I'm not. Giving up on this year, why would any BYU fan give up on this year? Someone said, you gave up by going to that bowl. No way. I think that bull puts us in a position to uh, push ourselves forward. And there's a lot to that.
2: That same person will be watching on December 27th very closely as BYU takes on a quality a opponent. A quality team out of the Pac-12. I mean, next to the SEC, the Pac-12 really has to be probably the second strongest conference in college football right now.
4: And this won't be a an Oregon 06 that's kind of bummed to be there. It's going to be more like the 08 Arizona where they're excited to be there and will challenge BYU. I think it'll be fun.
3: Well, I think that now our fans can watch the Pac-12 pretty closely to see how that's going to unfold. And... You know, it's not necessarily the slot because sometimes you see that even in, when we are in the Mountain West Conference that the bowl games and the conferences that we play and even when we are in a conference, they're not going to look for a rematch. A lot of people have asked me about that. If Utah was in that slot, could it happen? It could. But I would think probably not just based on the fact a rematch. School and the conference would probably try to avoid a rematch. Rematch. So, depending on who that is slotted with, um, you know, it it could even be a team based on other Pac 12 bowls that they could have rematches. So, that slot is not locked in stone, but it's close. Tom, given that
2: uh, BYU is playing in San Francisco, do you feel like you're going home for
3: the holidays? Um, certainly. Uh, I wish I wish the game were going to be played in Candlestick because yeah. it's the last year of Candlestick Park and that would have been a fun thing, but this uh park where the Giants play is beautiful. It's beautiful. It's a baseball park, so our fans will be a little intrigued to see the way it's set up for the game. But if you've watched the games in the past fight hunger, you see that it's a, it's a little bit unusual, but it's in a great location. Um, it's a beautiful facility with all the bells and whistles, and our fans are going to love it.
2: Before there was Daniel Sorensen knocking off people's heads at BYU, there was Tom Homo laying the Pick big hits. Pick sixing yeah. Georgia
4: and Washington State.
3: <laughs> well, I got hit in the head so many times, I can't remember those as well as you young Bucks. But, uh, you know, I just, it's been such a, an honor and a privilege to be part of the tradition and I'm proud of the way that these current Cougars are building that tradition because it's great and it's one of our pillars is tradition to build on that but uh you can only live in the past so long and i'm proud of the way that these players of this 2013 season are building and doing things that we never thought of doing byu athletic director tom homo in studio
2: with byu sports nation tom thanks for the time congratulations on the success and the the bowl game and uh we'll be seeing you in the bay area and well before that too but we'll see you in the bay area as well
3: Oh, yeah, if I tell you, fans, if you haven't been to San Francisco in the in the Christmas season, it's pretty special. And with the game being on the twenty seventh, I think people can spend their Christmas day and do their traditional things with their family, and then get on a plane, get on a bus, get on a train, get in a car, get on a trolley, and come
4: <laughs> to the game. And again, uh, BYU fans can purchase tickets on Tickets dot com. That's correct. Okay, Tom Hommel, BYU Athletic Director, joining us in studio. We appreciate the time, Tom. My pleasure.
2: Up next, the BYU women's soccer team gets a win over a top-ten team. We'll get you the details in the Cougar Whiparound, plus today's Rise and Shout. This is BYU
0: Sports Nation. Stay with us. We'll have more BYU Sports Nation right after this.
2: And now, back to more BYU Sports Nation. Welcome back, friends. It's a Monday, but it feels good after a win. BYU Sports Nation, currently on BYU Radio Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan here. You know what time it is. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip around. Men's basketball.
4: BYU defeated Colorado College 94 to 59 in an exhibition game Saturday night. Matt Carlino led the Cougars with 23 points on 8 of 12 shooting. Kyle Collinsworth, Big Russia. Had 13 points, 11 rebounds, and 5 assists as well. BYU prepares for Alaska Anchorage this Saturday at 9 p.m. Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio.
2: Women's volleyball. The Cougars dropped a five-set match Saturday to St. Mary's for its first conference loss of the season. Good St. Mary's team. BYU still leads the conference at 10-1, currently ranked 19th in all the land. Soccer. Led by a goal from freshman Ashley
4: Hatch. 24th-ranked women's soccer beat... Sixth ranked Portland on the road Saturday and is now tied for second place in the WCC. Back to back conference title
2: still available. Hey, the men's team in swimming won every event against Colorado Mesa over the weekend on the women's side. Hayden Palmer set a pool record in the 400 individual medley with a time of three minutes, 57 seconds, and 91 100s, breaking a nine year old record. Boom. Women's team. Fell to Boise State, Haley Campbell did take first in both the 100 and 100 back. Today's rise and shout goes to that BYU fan in Poland
4: who wore a BYU football shirt on the Amazing Grace on CBS <laughs> last night. <laughs> <laughs> they just scanned the crowd and there's a, there's a dude in Poland wearing a BYU football shirt. The world is our campus! BYU sports world! <laughs> that's,
2: that's the next level of this show. <laughs> Uh, can we get a secondary rising shout to Brandon Davies, there? <laughs> Signing a contract with the uh, Philadelphia 76ers. Or as his alter ego is sometimes known as Brandon Davis. Yeah, Brandon, <laughs> Brandon Davis. Brandon Davis with the. Re- Who? Taysom Hill named the FBS Independent Offensive Player of the Week. Second week in a row for that. Wani Unga, Defensive Player of the Week. Wait we first that, time. Right? Hey, thank you. Unga. Unga.
4: Final poll results on com. What would have been your headline after Friday's 37 20 BOE victory? Over Boise State. And the winner
2: is Taysom and BYUXL in the national spotlight. All right, there you go. Some quick tweets. Uh, We've had some great ones coming in uh, according to headlines. Let's let's go to this one. From Francisco R. Ruiz at Fruiz801. How do you like them taters? Yeah! (laughs) Uh,
4: Other ones, let's see here. Uh, Yeah, Potato Feast. Successful. Uh, potato harvest. Successful. <laughs> ben Carter. Bowling over Boise. Nice. Uh, at Justin D. Sweeney. Taters shows off potato gun and sm- uh, mashes spud state. BYU bucks the
2: Broncos. <laughs> There are, there are limitless possibilities. Uh, if you missed it, kickoff time at Wisconsin on November 9th, 3.30 p.m. Eastern, one thirty p.m. Mountain. That game will be on ABC or ESPN, so BYU with some more chi- time to shine, potentially, in the national spotlight. Uh, we've had
4: great, ge- a great guest lineup today. Great stuff from Connie Okua-Friel, Trevor Maddich, and especially from uh BYU Athletic Director Tom Hommel, who was just in studio with us, shedding some light on the future of bowl ties for BYU. He mentioned that BYU's uh, you know, close to locking in the next six years during the playoff. Uh, so we, kn- we know that two of those games will be the Poinsettia Bowl, and then there's uh, two others that BYU will lock in, and then he said, and then two are sort of uh, sort of flexible, uh, and here's, here's where the power of ESPN is. BYU is essentially in the ESPN conference, yes. if you will. And so having that tie gives BYU a different kind of football life than any other school in the country. You don't rely on the conference commissioner and the group of teams. It's BYU and it's ESPN.
2: Here's you go the, to a bowl, you get all that money. Yeah, here's the guarantee. If BYU is bowl eligible, they'll be in a the game. They'll be in a bowl. You don't have to worry about that. Great stuff from Tom Holm. A reminder to make sure to tune into True Blue tonight on BYU TV 8:30 and 11:30 p.m. Eastern BYU head football coach Bronco Mendenhall will be joining Dave McCann in studio. Big thanks to our guests Kanye friel Trevor Manager, Tom Homo, and everyone on our
4: BYU Sports Nation crew, producer Ben Bagley, senior coordinating producer Michael Miner, BYU Radio station manager Don Schlein, production assistants Alan Miller and Spencer King, and our engineer Aaron Evans.
2: Check out archived episodes of the show on demand every afternoon at youtube.com slash BYU Radio. That's how you start a Monday. For Jerem Jordan, I'm Spencer Linton. You have just listened to BYU Sports Nation.